One of those days with lots of pieces to it. I'm going to make sure I got everything in order here. Very appreciative of Kai Bailey here playing the organ for us today. Uh, interesting information about him at the end of your bulletin, if you want to take a look at that. We very much appreciate him coming and being part of our service today. A uh, couple items to bring to your attention. First of all, uh, has to do with Steve Sherman, who was here just a little bit ago giving the announcements. Uh, depending on your connections within parts of this community or not, you may have heard some things about Steve, and uh, I'm going to confirm those things with you now. In our process of replacing Pastor Sabine, who you know left last fall, we, we began to look around for different options. Well, it just happened that a conversation took place where, where Steve let it be known that he has for a few years been feeling led by the Lord to move from the ministry he's been involved in for 26 years, which is an education of ministry, into a pastoral ministry type role somewhere, sometime. This is a conversation he had several years ago with some of the folks at the conference. And when the position here became open, when Pastor Sabine left, another conversation took place that uh, we discovered that that might just be something that would work out really well here. You see, Steve's background, he actually has his uh, degree in theology and went to the seminary and completed his studies and even has pastored uh, briefly in his life, but has felt led back to this at this point in his life. And as we worked through the processes, we knew that this would be kind of a tricky thing to work out. And we, we worked through all the different pieces and just uh, uh, about a week and a half ago came to the conclusion that he believed the Lord was calling him here and we believed the Lord was as well. And so we will be pleased to welcome Steve Sherman to our pastoral staff here beginning July 1st. Now he's going to complete out his contract and his work at Fleece, which is the very important ministry of this church that we are very invested in. And we want him to have finished that work and do it well as he's been doing it well. A couple factors on it. There's not a problem and he's not running away from a problem at Fleece. So don't worry about that. In fact, those who have children who will continue to be at Fleece, of which I am one, as Ariel has several more years there, uh, have bring to this certain experience uh, some mixed emotions because he's done such a brilliant job as our principal. But we will trust that the same Lord who is calling him to come be a part of our staff also has someone in mind that he's going to bring to Fleece. Uh, to take over there as principal in this next year. So it won't be official and he won't be here until July, but, but because of the need to communicate and, and have the processes for the school be able to get started and go through what they need to do to secure leadership, uh, we've had to make this known and we couldn't just tell it there and not tell all of you. So Steve will be joining our staff. We're very pleased to have him. He's going to be a real blessing to us and uh, is going to bring uh, his gifts to this community. So we thank God for that. Thank you, Steve, for coming to be a part of us. All right. Uh, another thing about today, unfortunately, the biggest moment is over, but I don't want you to miss out on the celebration that you could still have throughout the remainder of this day. And this particularly goes out to you math people out there. Today is Pi Day. Did you know that? 
Today is March 3, 14, 2015. Well, if you know pi, it's 3.14159.2654. So if you'd been here at first service at 9.26 and 54 seconds, 9.27, I don't know, whatever, in 54 seconds, you would have been in the pi moment. You would have been completely round and happy. Your diameter perfectly aligning with your circumference. So that happens today, so you should have pie when you go home in celebration. So everyone has permission today to have pie on Pie Day. All right. Didn't want you to miss that. This also is the week where we kick off the Better Together series. And the Better Together series is the name for, for our spring series this year, which is always our small group series. And you know what? I got my announcements out of order, didn't I? Because Alicia won't have the mic yet, will she? Do you have the mic? Okay, he has the mic. This will work. Alicia's going to come help me with this announcement. This is a group, this, this is the series where we encourage everybody to participate during this series in small groups. So for each week of the series going forward, there's seven more weeks. Uh, we've prepared study guides so that you can have small group studies during the week with other folks, either from the church or anyone else you want to invite to your home to be a part of it, where you can study the material we're going to talk about the very next Sabbath. And this is just a seven-week time that we ask everybody to participate in this. It's an amazing experience if you've ever done it. You know that it really kind of changes your experience at church for this whole span because you've already been thinking about whatever it is that we're going to talk about here. But I've asked Alicia, who is an expert in small groups and in most things, to come and talk a little bit about this. We have such an amazing church at Forest Lake Church. I love this church. We have the most amazing Sabbath school teachers. We have one of the most outstanding senior pastors in the country. We have, <laughs> we have so many amazing pastors on our staff, like Pastor Barb. I mean, I just go down the list. But one of the things we don't have at Forest Lake Church is a small church. And one of the things that your heart can miss sometimes is the small church experience. And one of the things I'm praying for you always is that you will find small church in this amazing big church. And this week is a time when you have an opportunity to do that. Um, out in the lobby are small group questions that are going to follow. They're going to precede what Pastor Jeff is speaking about the coming Sabbath. So you get to get into the Word of God. You get to dig in yourself and see what you come up with. And if he has anything to say like what you were thinking, it's fun to do. And also, precious sons and daughters of Christ, the small group format and being in somebody's living room, studying the Bible together, getting to know each other and praying for each other has been my favorite thing about being a follower of Christ, I think. Because we have, in, in the Adventist truth, we have such a church, we have such amazing truth, we have such an amazing heritage, we have such an amazing hope. But one of the things sometimes we don't have is readily, is Christian community. And I don't want you to come here and feel lonely in a pew. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now is just take a second, maybe 20, and bow your heads and say to God, is this the time you're calling me 
to open my home? Is this a time you're calling me to find another home and be the one that leads out? Is this a time you want me to invite or find a group? It's just a small number of weeks together, but that could be where you find the community that prays you through the next issue or that you can support someone through. And I'd just like you to bow your heads with me right now. Father God, you have called us not singly to your truth, but you've called us together. We're better together because we need each other's support and prayer. We need to know and be known. We need to serve and be served. We need to love and be loved. We need to celebrate and be celebrated. And we can't do this in this amazing big church unless we know each other. So we just want to pause and leave a couple silent seconds for you to say, I'd like you to go here, or I'd like you to teach, or I'd like you to open your home, or I'd like you to invite. Lord, do you have anything to say to people's hearts on this right now? Please speak. Thank you, Lord. Keep continuing this conversation with your sons and daughters. If there's a home or a person's name you want to bring to their mind. And I pray that forever friends will come out of this, that maybe baptisms will come out of this, that deepened relationships and prayer time and understanding of you and your word will come out of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you're able to say no to her, you're stronger than me. So I'd advise doing what she suggests, just from experience. But uh, yeah, you'll, want, you'll find the studies in the lobby. There's two different studies. There's the study for, that's designed specifically for adults, and then there's another study that Pastor Barb and Tracy Mistrapa put together that is good to do with your family. So if you want to get one, you have kids at home and you want to go ahead and participate in this, that one is available as well. One other thing I will tell you, without Pastor Sabine here and with Pastor Steve not here yet, we don't have as much of the other kinds of support pieces we've had in place in the past to help you go on this. You really are going to have to grab hold of this and prove that you can do it with God's help. So uh, the, the studies have everything you need on it. All you have to do is invite people over and spend time and go through it. I believe we can achieve that, and I hope that, uh, I hope that everybody will participate in this. All right, one other item. Rachel, will you join us? One part of this series, this Better Together series, the whole notion is that when we engage with each other, we're better together, but how are we ever going to be better together if we don't know each other at all? So, to help you along week to week, Pastor Barb is arranging for someone you may or may not know to come up here each week and answer five simple questions so that there'll be one more person in this church that you know a little bit better. So today's volunteer, and I didn't say victim, is Rachel Lassell. Now, I don't know if you've had the privilege to meet Rachel. She and Jason, her husband, came here 
last summer, right? Last summer, just before the school year. Now, this is a woman who needs your prayers. Amen. Amen. She has twin sons in eighth grade. So, make them stand up. And oh, I am to make you stand up. David and Max, where are you? There they are. Yeah. All right. Pray for them. They're hanging around with some, I don't know, they're friends of Aaron. I'll just leave it at that. So, so you want to pray for them. But, uh, and Jason is doing some work here uh, associated with the academy. But we're not talking about Jason today. We're talking about you. And you are an RN working from home. Oh, I forgot Isla. Where's Isla? She's back there. Oh, there she is. There's Isla. Isla, let me say something about Isla. Isla figured out how to use the yellow cards in your pews. You know those little pews, in, the, those little yellow cards in the pew in front that are about writing nice notes to people? Do you know that sweet girl about every third week writes me a wonderful note after Sabbath and hands it to me? And I like them so much, I use them for bookmarks. That's how fun it is to have those. So she's a very clever girl, figured out how to do that right away. All right, but, but again, not about them. It's like about you today. Okay, you are an RN working from home. Okay. For now. I've also applied at Florida Hospital. Okay, yeah. All right. If anybody knows anybody, just saying. All right. Just saying. All right. So here we go. What's your favorite indoor or outdoor activity? I have a lot, so that stressed me out immediately. But I think if I were going to go with my true favorite, I like to write and I like photo, phot photography and editing. Okay. That's indoors. All right, indoors. So you have outdoor. Oh, yes. All right, outdoor too. I like to be outside. I like to camp and anything that goes with it, particularly building astronomical fires. Okay. All right. <laughs> that could be fun in Florida, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What sound do you love? I really like, and I've been missing, but I know I'm going to catch on to how the storms work here, but I like the big Midwestern, we moved from Missouri, rolling thunderstorms. Rolling. And I like Spinning thunderstorms, mostly yeah. there, Well, right? some do yeah. spin. You, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. The sound of thunderstorms. Okay. If you could learn to do anything, what would it be? Surf better than my husband. Ah. I would cure cancer. You would cure cancer. I would cure cancer, but I would like to outsurf my husband. All right, those are both good. All right. Who is a Bible character you relate to and why? Peter, because he was kind of a blurter and enthusiastic, but then, like when Pastor Barb asked me to do this, I said, sure. And then I got here and I saw our big pretty church and I thought, I'm scared. <laughs> and Peter kind of did that, like when he rushed out of the boat to Jesus, but then freaked out. I'd have been the freaker outer too. All right. Well, if you start to sink, we'll... Yeah. we'll all <laughs> Thank right. you. Okay. What is the best way to make friends with someone? That's another question that stressed me out because I don't know that I'm as good at making friends as much as I just... In, I love people, so when I see you, I think you're my family, and I'm counting on going home with you. Since I've been little, I've been excited about heaven, and I've been crazy about people. So I asked my daughter to help me with that question, and she said, duh, smile. So that's how you make friends, I guess. <laughs> okay. There, now you know. 
that when she's smiling and happy to see you, she knows no strangers and loves all. So what a nice person to have as a part of our congregation. So thank, thank you, you, Rachel. Thank you. You answered those extremely well. Thank you. Happy all Sabbath. Right. So we will look forward to see who Barb has picked out for us to meet next week. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day and, and for the, the fun that we're having in this day and for the fellowship of your spirit. And we thank you for your word, Lord, and pray that you will speak to us from it now. In Jesus' name, amen. It was a terrible time in Israel. There was turmoil, there was questions, there was, there was a king by the name of Saul, but then there was this other guy named David. And Saul had been king and, and had done a lot of good things, but this other guy, David, he'd come along and seemingly out of nowhere and, and had become this great champion in the army and he had defeated Goliath and he was leading the army out very victoriously, but then somewhere along the line, it seems that Saul began to think, wait a minute, what is it they're saying? Saul has killed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands? How long will it be until they kill me and make him king? A throne can be a hard thing to hang on to sometimes. And Saul was not about to let this usurper David take his throne, even though David wasn't trying to do it, but he was a threat. And so David had gone into exile. He'd gone into exile into the land of the Philistines. And now, to make matters worse, the armies of the Philistines were coming and were attacking Israel. And Saul was trying to meet them, and he was desperate, so desperate. He went and tried to speak with Samuel, who had died years before. It was a desperate time. And on this occasion, there would be no deliverance. The next day in the battle, a great slaughter would take place. The armies of Israel would be defeated. And on that day, Saul and three of his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua, would all be killed. And as word of the defeat began to spread across the land, in a panic, a nurse tries to save a little boy. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was about five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. There was one other son of Saul. His name was Ishbosheth, and he remained alive. And Abner, the general of the armies of Israel, took Ishbosheth and set him up as king of Israel after his father. But meanwhile, David had gone into the land of Judah, and the leaders of the tribe of Judah had set up David as king. And there was trouble. Abner with the armies of Israel and Joab with the armies of Judah 
came together several times and fought several times. And over time, it became obvious that Judah was going to win this fight. Ishbosheth was not a strong king. And Abner began to figure out where this was going and one day made the decision, it's time that I turn the armies of Israel over to David. And so he went to David and worked out a deal. But it was an extremely ugly time. And before he could return to set all the details of the deal in motion, Joab had Abner killed. And then not long after that, some others would go in to Ishbosheth and kill him as well. It was an ugly time. Now let me ask you a question. If you are smart, as the last surviving heir of the former dynasty, or at least one of the last surviving members of the former dynasty, and one who cannot walk, what are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to hide. And that's exactly what Mephibosheth did. He hid. Because when a new king comes to the throne, what does he usually do to the family of the old king? Usually they all die, don't they? But here's the thing. Even in terrible times, even in extreme cases, friendship can change everything. You see, you don't have to hide when you are family to someone that the king loves. Mephibosheth may have been the grandson of Saul and a potential rival heir to the throne, but those facts were not what mattered most in David's eyes. To David, something else mattered more, and that was Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. David and Jonathan, two young men who met at a young age, who were fellow warriors and who became friends. Now understand, they were not peers. Jonathan was the heir. Jonathan was a prince. Jonathan was the son of the king. David was just a boy who came from the herds and happened to be very valiant as a fighter, but he had no standing. Jonathan was the one who had standing. Yet Jonathan didn't let the fact that he was prince and David was a servant keep them from being close friends. Jonathan embraced him and understood what it meant to be a friend. He didn't let social standing get in the way. He recognized in David a kindred spirit, and they became good friends. Such good friends, in fact, that Jonathan remained faithful to his friendship to David, even when it meant going against his father, not just against his father, his father, the king. You see, Saul knew that David was a threat to take the throne, and so Saul had been for some time trying to kill David. 
And David came to believe that that this had reached a pivotal moment and it was time for him to leave the court of Saul and not be there any longer because Saul was for sure going to kill him. Jonathan wasn't so sure that he had reached that point yet. And so he and David talked and they worked out a plan and it involved a field and and Jonathan shooting arrows and a a, a young boy running to fetch arrows and where he said they would be was going to be a signal to David. We find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan, and Abner sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. Now let's just stop there for a moment and appreciate this because Gable, you're going to like this. Here's how it used to be. You see, David wasn't the oldest brother. David was the youngest brother. And in those days, when the oldest brother gave an order to the youngest brother, he was supposed to do it. That's how it ought to be, right? Yes. And so it was a completely plausible story that the older brother could order the younger brother, even though he is a soldier and a leader in the army, and that that younger brother would need to leave what he was doing and come because his older brother had told him to do so. I see a lot of nodding. I don't think Aaron was paying any attention at all, though, so I'm afraid that was lost on him. We'll try to work on that later. But back in the day... So it was a plausible story. Let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. This is the story Jonathan tells Saul. Now watch what happens. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan And he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. I don't recommend ever using that line, gentlemen. (laughs) Don't ever say that. Not a good idea. You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Verse 32. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. What an amazing moment that must have been. 
Clearly now Jonathan knows David was right. But I want you to see what Jonathan does here because what a hero. Read this next verse. Verse 34, Jonathan got up from the table in great fear. Is that what it says? It doesn't, does it? His dad has just tried to stick a spear through him into the wall, but Jonathan doesn't get up with fear. It says he got up from the table in fierce anger. Here's how I see it. They're sitting there at the table. Saul has obviously lost his good sense because he wants to kill David. Jonathan says, why? What has he done? He's done nothing. And then I see Saul grab a spear like he's tried to do with David. Apparently he's not very good at short range because he seems to always miss. But he grabs a spear and he throws it at Jonathan. And in my mind, Jonathan doesn't even move. And it just goes right by him. and sticks in the wall. And Jonathan doesn't move. His eyes are on his father. And in my mind, he puts his hands on the table. He pushes back his chair. He stands up. And he walks away. Jonathan wasn't worried about his life. Jonathan was angry because his father was trying to kill his friend. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On that second day of the feast, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. It doesn't say he was afraid for his life. It says he was grieved at how his father treated his friend. In time, Jonathan would realize this throne was never going to be his. But the thing about Jonathan is he loved his friend David more than he loved the throne. 1 Samuel verse 23, chapter 23, verse 15. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in the Lord. Now catch the full irony of this story here. Here's Saul with the army searching everywhere for David so he could kill him. But Jonathan knows exactly where David is. And Jonathan goes to David. And when he goes to David, what does he do? It says, he went to David and helped him find strength in the Lord. Here's what he said, verse 17. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. Now, is that not one of the most amazing things you've ever read? The one who is the rightful heir to the throne goes to the one who would otherwise be seen as the usurper and says to him, don't worry, my father will not lay a finger on you. God has appointed you as king and you will be king and I will be second to you. 
suddenly everything has turned. You remember when David first showed up, Jonathan is the prince and David is the servant, but Jonathan is so humble in his love for his friend David that everything has turned. And he says, you will be the great one and I will be second to you. And all of a sudden, David, instead of the one in need of grace, finds himself the one in a position to bestow grace. Because how often does a king of another family line, when he comes to the throne, make the former heir his number two? But David extends that grace. It says, the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home. Reflect for a moment on Jonathan. He loved his friend more than the throne. Jonathan is the unselfish hero of the story. And wouldn't it have been awesome if the pledge those two friends made to each other had actually been able to occur? But here's the problem. David and Jonathan weren't the only ones making decisions. You see, we can be so much better together if we will choose to be together and we won't get into arguments and fights about who's the king and who's second and who's most important, just like the disciples used to do. If we can just engage with each other, that's what these gears are here to tell us. Gears by themselves, they don't do anything at all. But when they come together and engage, great work gets done. We're better together. Not battling each other for first place, but instead celebrating each other's victories and rejoicing with each other. It would have been awesome if David and Jonathan could have taught the people a new way to follow after the Lord by David being king and Jonathan still being honored. But Saul would never let that happen. And Jonathan's future would be tied to the future of Saul. And that would carry him to his tragic end. Which brings us back to where we started this morning. War with the Philistines, the disastrous battle, Saul and Jonathan killed, and a nurse who shortly after finding out Jonathan was dead, in haste picks up, but then sadly drops a little five-year-old boy who as a result is never able to walk again. Sometimes life is hard, And life is sad, even in Bible stories. But here's the thing. David never forgot his friend Jonathan. And David never forgot his promise to Jonathan. And David made good on his promise. 2 Samuel chapter 9, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. 
The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. He had to be terrified. Here, David has tracked me down. I've been hiding. But somebody told him where I am. And now here he is, brought, carried into the presence of the king. And it says, he bowed down to pay him homage. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him. You remember what Jonathan said to David when Saul was trying to kill him? He said, don't be afraid. And now David turns to Jonathan's son and says, don't be afraid. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Interesting how the story goes to such length, the writer goes to such length to point out every reason why Mephibosheth didn't deserve it. But he got it because David had loved his father Jonathan. We're better together. And God wants us to engage with each other and bless each other and bless each other's generations after. Three lessons today. Number one, if you are blessed with a close friend, if you can, love them dearly today in word and in deed because you will miss them when they're gone. Do not today take for granted your friends. Show them your love today. 
Because you will miss them when they're gone. Lesson two. If it is in your power to do, don't just be a blessing to your friend. Commit to being a benefactor as well to his or her generations in honor of your friend. Don't just bless them. Bless their children and their children's children. And he or she will make the same commitment to you to bless your generations. Lesson three. Even if you never have had a really close friend, there still is one who longs to be your close friend. Proverbs 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's plenty of examples of this on earth. But the real friend I'm talking to you about today is the friend you have in Jesus. He is our friend, and he is our king. And even though we have been linked by sin to the dynasty of the devil, still, Jesus is looking for us and longs to show us mercy. Feeble, weak, undeserving, and just like Mephibosheth, unable to stand on our own two feet. Still, this is the word of our friend to us, John 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Here is what I hear Jesus saying to us today. Are there any left from the world of fallen humans? Let them come to me so that I may bless them that they may eat at my heavenly table forever. We are better when we are together. And we are best when we are together with Jesus. Let's pray.